0: Welcome to the Havila Cunnington's podcast. Thanks for tuning in. This is Ali from truth to table I'm here to introduce this week's podcast episode. We have a special episode for you today. Havila had the privilege of having a conversation with Mercy Lokulutu. Mercy lives in Texas with her husband and three incredible children. Mercy is amazing. She has her master's in psychiatry, has a passion to teach and preach, and is building the local church globally with her husband marcus originally from nigeria she has a rich culture history and brought us a fresh perspective she joined havila in an exclusive conversation with our truth academy members the conversation was so impactful we wanted to share it with you all so pull up your seat come and join the very real and raw conversation about racial reconciliation
1: Welcome to Truth to Table, Table Talk, uh, Wednesday, actually, it's Wednesday, and today we're going to have another conversation on the topic of life and connecting with powerful women that have been connections in my world and just really people that I want you to meet. So I know a lot of you guys are jumping on right now, and I love that you're here. There'll be a lot of you that will replay and review, and we love that you're going to do that. If you have any questions or concerns or anything we can do for you, just. Put it underneath and we'll try to answer everything we know how to do. Today, I'm really excited about having my friend Mercy on our live. And first of all, I just want to say like, Mercy, thank you for coming and being on this, this recording. Like, thank you for being here with our class and our community. Thank
2: you so much for having me. I think this community is so phenomenal and the ministry that God has blessed you with is just doing so much good for people. Honestly, truly. We're trying. Honestly, so <laughs> thank you so much for having me.
1: Well you are amazing. I know we I think the first official time we met was in Atlanta. Yes. Right? Was that right? Okay, cuz I know I'd followed you and kind of had seen you at some propel things and just um we met in Atlanta and watched you preach and I was like, man, this girl can preach. And just got to know each other. I think I had a urinary tract infection that <laughs> you did. That is correct. I I diagnosed
2: <laughs> it in the car on our way to preach because that's what we do. We diagnose
1: UTIs and then we preach. We're women. Oh. We are women. And I was like, Mercy, here's the deal. Like, I know you're a preacher and you love the Lord, but how, how's my urinary tract infection? Like, is this a tract infection? You're like, it is. Here's what you want to do. And so we sent somebody to like my drugstore to go get me some like cranberry pills. We, we sure and did. I yeah. actually never got rid of it, that trip. I had it for the really? next five, five trips. And finally, I finally went to like, I think what happened is it wasn't diagnosed like they just took my word for it, but they really needed it to give me a stronger medication. So I just lived right. with it for months, mm-hmm. which was awesome. Um, but yeah, 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 I'm like, <laughs> it's not fun, but it is what it is. And yeah, our 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 female organs have a mind of their own, and they, they need their they own life. Really they, really they really do. do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'm sure that there'll be men on here. I'm sorry, guys, but this is real life. anyway, okay, you would diagnosed me, but what I loved about it was that you were in this season where well, tell. Let's just introduce you first to our community. So tell me a little bit about yourself, and tell everybody about you know. I know you're married, you have kids, you've had a yeah. baby. So just tell everybody yeah. about yourself.
2: Yeah, thanks, half. So I um I'm originally from Nigeria. I came to America um, at 18 for college. Um, I. I played volleyball at the University of um, Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia, um, and that's how that's how I came to the States. I am married. Um, my husband and I have been married for thirteen years.
1: Thirteen oh, years.
2: I know it's crazy. It is, huh? I mean, four <laughs> years, which was not fun for me. I was like, let's just get this show on the road.
1: <laughs> what are what are, what are we doing? Um, what are,
2: what, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> so, um, no, he was very, he was very from the outset. It was very, he was very much pursuing and wanted us to get married, but um, we were in college. So- Was he from the um, States
1: as well? Like so He was he born was- in the
2: States, but he's from okay. Congo, which is where my last name comes from, Lokalutu, it's okay. Congolese. Um, we do have three kids. I just had a baby, literally, birthed I weeks ago. I can't believe it. In the middle of a pandemic, no big deal.
1: But your boy—I mean, your your kids are—they're older. Yeah, yeah, they're like junior high. So
2: I have a twelve-year-old. No, No, I have a twelve-year-old going to seventh grade, and then I have a. um, She's nine. She just turned nine. So I don't have to think about the from when I was like, wait, what year is it? What year is it? And what month? It's like a
1: horrible parent. I always do that. I'm like, and then I started calling by their numbers. I'm like, well, the nine-year-old, and my husband's like, they have a (laughs) name. They have names.
2: Yeah, and they're neighbors.
1: So your boys have such cute
2: names, <laughs> honestly. Well,
1: um, I thought I was gonna have girls. So I did my best. That's right. Yeah.
2: So I am a nurse by trade. I'm actually am nur- actually graduating as a nurse practitioner in a year. because
1: um, you were in that process when we were together, you yes. were like, I'm going on. I'm like, you are. I'm
2: going on. So I um I'll be a psych mental health nurse practitioner. So that's my area of expertise, is psychi- psychiatry, mental really? health. Really? Yes, yes.
1: Are you um, diagnosing me right now? <laughs> no,
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. I have to diagnose myself first. We have to start with ourselves. We look in the mirror. First. You do. Yes, we have to go through therapy for school ourselves. Right. I know it was crazy, and there was a lot of stuff. And I was like, Was that way.
1: appealing to you to like go through? Once I was curious. Like once I got I- over my
2: pride, once <laughs> I was like, Wait, I'm okay. I'm
1: not- I'm not crazy Once not- I realized that I wasn't as perfect as I assumed,
2: yeah, right, right. It um, was actually a really interesting experience. Um, it, it was, it was, it was. So, long story short, how I gone to ministry was um, at Celebration Church. Um, Pastor Stovall and Carrie Williams were my pastor. Yay. I was there for about 14 years. We were there for 14 years. Jacksonville, and- Florida. Jacksonville, Florida. And they just really, that's where I cut my spiritual teeth. That's where I got my- I didn't know that. You didn't I know did. that? Yeah. I my know. spiritual formation. Those are my pastors. I still talk well, to we, them. We still text.
1: That's where we first met. Like my brain is catching up. I oh, kinda- did you preach a chime? Yes. and I. But in my head, I didn't remember that until you just said this. And I'm like, because I remember um. you being like, I'm home and me thinking like she's home she must have spoke here before but you now that no you- that's home that makes, that makes so much more sense sorry nah yeah yeah
2: so really, that's where um i was empowered to preach i was ordained as a pastor there that that was my bo- that was my family so um from there opportunities just started coming for for preaching honestly all around the world and i've always been bivocational i never gave up nursing i always did both marketplace wow. and ministry um so yeah so that's a yeah.
1: about me Did you know you were gonna have another baby? Were you hoping that you would- Do you know what?
2: It was one of those, Lord have your way, (laughs) but hurry up because I'm almost 40. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, So yeah, the desire was there. um, And I knew there was a window there that was like, okay, God, if this is gonna happen, this is probably the window. And um, honestly, true talk. I know, okay, we're part of a community now, guys. You guys are pulled into my my family. So I'm gonna be honest with you. I was going to go to my OB to have a conversation about contraception, permanent contraception. And she canceled that appointment because she had to go to a C-section, emergency C-section. And she rescheduled my appointment for a week later. Uh -uh. I got pregnant that week.
1: (laughs) I know, it's amazing. You are kidding.
2: No. So. That's the the Lord. Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. I that is hysterical. It's I like a who has the me and then misses the second appointment and then ends up being pregnant. You know, you're like, I it's don't not. so and my I, son's
2: I, name is Isaiah, my daughter's name is Ava, my baby's name is Zuri, which is such a cute Ooh. name, She's a sweetheart. You, um, you, is there some specific meaning?
1: Or so, Zuri
2: means beautiful, and there's a Hebrew form that starts oh. with T. It's to Zuri. It's a male form. It means hardworking for the Lord, um, constant, strong. So I like to I like to think of her as fire and ice. She's she's both. She's just she's she's tender, but she's also fierce. She's been that way since Utero. Um she's amazing. (laughs) Truly, truly. She
1: wanted to be here. She wanted to be here. She wanted to be here. She really (laughs) did. She was like, hey, I got some. (laughs) Isn't it odd having babies? Like I had mine, my first were in my late twenties, and then my other three were in my thirties. And just as I got older, the difference. Physically, yeah, physically, a different. Yeah, I see these like twenty-year-old moms that are like a another level. I'm like, I am tired. I'm very exhausted. Exactly. Yeah,
2: <laughs> on the inside, like in my soul.
1: <laughs> uh, I used to say bone tired. Like I felt like it was in my bones. Like I was just you know, I was an old woman. So uh, what I love, Mercy, is our community. And I know you guys are jumping on here, and people will come in and out, but. Make sure that if you want to ask a question or be like connected, make sure you put your name in there because that's how StreamYard works is it just gives you like a Facebook user. It doesn't let you just see your name unless you put it in. And this month we're talking, our whole series is good stuff, which is really about longevity, like living in our, like realizing that if we're really going to be here for long term, we've got to do certain things every time, like renew the mind. We've got to speak life. We've got to go after the, you know, the enemy in our lives. All of that was before what's happening in our world, and mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but this has been like I want to say this month has been a woke month. We've all woken up to things that I think we didn't know or we knew but we didn't admit or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, it's been a very, um, it's been a unique and I want to say sober and sovereign season. I feel like it's been. Um, Yeah. Like I I feel like I have just literally every day, I feel like my cup gets filled with information and learning and, and trying to change mindsets and then turn around the next day and doing it over. Now I can't even imagine for yourself, like, what has this month been for you? What are things that you're learning? And like, I just want to kind of start that conversation as our community. I think it's really, really important. And it's one of the reasons why I, I, I have you here is I want to have the conversation of what's happening in our world. Yeah. It's been a lot. Um, it's been a lot to
2: process. I think I, I want to set up for the community to understand that I didn't grow up in this country. Okay, yeah. So I have a unique perspective, um, a little more objective, I would say maybe, because I grew up in a country where I was not a minority, <laughs> right? There's more yeah. black people than yeah. black people in Nigeria in general. So I have to be reminded when I came to America that I was a minority. It was in my sociology class and she's talking about gentrification and she's like, as a minority, how do you feel? And I didn't answer because I didn't know she was talking to me. Um, I was like, "Oh, that, oh, that's me. Oh, okay, got it. I'm on it." You know. Um, so it's it's sort of been this sobering discovery for me of learning. I've, I had to educate myself. I'll be honest with you, Havala. When I first moved to America, yeah, I didn't get it. I didn't understand the African American mm-hmm. community's pain. I felt like probably a lot of your viewers might relate to this. I felt like African-Americans a lot of times would play the race card, just being honest with you. I felt like America's a land of opportunity. If you work hard enough, Mm. you can pull yourself up by the bootstraps. not knowing or understanding the full historical context that the system was built in such a way that disadvantaged minority populations. And that journey for me took on, it looked like a lot of books. documentaries. I I just educated myself. And once I did, what happened, Avala, was I developed empathy that I didn't have before at a different level. So now I could feel how they felt. And then the next layer that happened was I had children. My children Mm -hmm. are African-American in every sense of the word, right? Yep. Um. And then on top of that was the lived experience of my husband getting pulled over and having to be on camera with me because he was afraid, you know, things like that. Right. So yep. what has this month been like for me? It's been a lot of tears. Okay. It's been a lot of conversations, Um, a lot of anger, but a lot of sadness as well. It's not it's not anger at any particular person. It's anger okay. at sin. It's the, it's the result of sin. Right. In, initial, God's plan initially was not, this was not his initial intent, right? The garden, he did not, this was never part of the plan. So, um, but I think honestly, if I'm honest with you, I'm I'm ending up with hope. I'm seeing this generation and their drive and passion for authenticity and for not harboring what other Mm -hmm. generations have tolerated. Um, and they are just, oh man, the church is marching on, huh? And the
1: hell are not going to prevail. I know. Did you feel like it was a conversation that you, like, did you, and this is like, you know, I want to ask the right questions, but do you. You know, when everything was happening, did it feel like we already are aware of this narrative? This is already something we deal with. Now the world's waking up to this. Or did it feel like actually we've been at peace, even though we don't like it, we've been at peace with it, but now it's stirring it up. Like what, what did it, what did you maybe? Yeah, that's, family?
2: that's a good question. I think because of my background in psychiatry, I can understand that what the African-American community has been enduring for 400 years is trauma, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's been a traumatic experience watching people who look like you be murdered and lynched and raped and pillaged and systemically disadvantaged from getting a loan and getting a small business and schools. Yeah. And I mean, you can go down this list, this litany list of systems that have been set up in such a way um, that disadvantage you. And so every time one of these yeah. things happens, it's as if that wound is being ripped open again and, and there's further trauma. So you get to turn off the news if you're white and just, okay, that's done. When you're black, you don't get to do that. It's a lived experience. So I would liken it to just a trauma, a trauma response, right? So I, wanna, I want people to really understand where some of the anger for the black community is coming from, especially yeah. in the church, because it feels like we're united in every other way, except for this issue. This is the lightning rod that then everybody takes we, we, we bind to these false dichotomies, right? You have to be either for this or that. Yep. But in reality, you don't have to be for or this or that. You can be plus and I'm for this and I'm for that. That's right. right? You don't have to That's buy right. into that false dichotomy. You know, so I think we have to be careful that the enemy whose goal has always been to divide, to steal, to destroy, doesn't come in to divide us um, further. There's already been yeah. pain here, because yeah. I, if I'm honest with you, as a, as a as a woman of color who's in predominantly white circles and churches and ministry, what it feels like is our white brothers and sisters are willing to rejoice with us, and we raise our hands together in church, and we preach on the same platforms, but when it comes to this issue, I don't mm-hmm. know that Black communities feel like their white brothers and sisters are willing to suffer with them.
1: That's Right. It's true. It's an invitation, right?
2: Oh, so to rejoice in the fellowship of his suffering. But it feels like when we open up and say, "You know what? This hurts. I'm traumatized." Yep. It's it's sometimes trivialized, right? Yep. Um, it can be it can be seen as well. If if I say my life matters, I'm not saying I'm asking for special privileges. I'm asking mm-hmm. you to just say it matters. It matters. You come back and say, well all do. Yes, but I'm hurting right now. Right. There's a one part of the body that's in pain and it's hemorrhaging. If my body's hemorrhaging, my entire immune system, blood system will rush to that site to stop the pain. Yeah. So I think what, if I can help people understand a little bit, if a woman is rescued from human trafficking, has just experienced this trauma, And she's telling you her story. You would never tell this woman. Well, other people are suffering too.
1: Totally. It's true. We wouldn't.
2: Well, it's not that bad. It just, it happened 400 years. It happened 40 years ago. It happened four years ago. Get over it. Are we still talking about this? You would never say that because she's traumatized. Furthermore, if she sees someone who looks like her abuser and lashes out or hits him or punches a hole in a wall. Yep. Yep. If you have not shared in her suffering, how dare you judge the amount and degree of her pain? That's right. Outrage. <laughs> because that's right. You know, you know what I
1: mean? So I do.
2: I'm not, not going to sit here and tell you that all of the reactions have been good. They haven't. But when people are traumatized, they do things they normally wouldn't do. That's right. That's
1: right. Right? Right. And what's interesting, Mercy, is uh, it's been really insightful. Like I did a post you know a couple months ago when the gentleman in um, Atlanta had been shot by the guy in that when he was out for a run and I had gotten a little yep and I'd gotten a little bit of you know pushback and then I had posted again about George Floyd and lost hundreds and hundreds of people that just unfollowed and I was shocked like I, I legitimately was shocked like Wait, wait. I'm sorry. I don't understand it. And just DMs of of anger. And I, yeah. I was I was shocked, and I was like, wait, 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 wait. I don't understand. What? Why is that even offensive? This doesn't seem offensive. This seems like a human thing. Humanity, right? And I'm a mom of four boys. I mm-hmm. can't even imagine having my son hurt. Yeah. And then I think I think what's happening. You're probably seeing this too. Mercy, like the the America is very divided. So yeah. parts of America have different stories as well, and I have two of my girlfriends and my core group are from the South. So we have a conversation. I'm California born and born, raised, very diverse. California is more liberal and a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so initially, I'm like, "Well, I don't know that part of our story. I don't. I don't know how you guys could think or act this way or whatever." Then they're explaining more, mm-hmm. but then I honestly, I began to see and I'm just being forthright and I've told my community this I began to see the way that I had been raised not intentionally not intentionally excuse me. I there was racism in my heart not that I thought I was a, a racist or hurting somebody but I saw the system and I saw the education and I saw the narratives of tv and music and so I saw this part of the narrative that I was not aware of until it started to be challenged and then i thought it's true and and i know this offenses and some of our viewers will just not follow and they can go find whatever they need to follow that supports what they believe but Mm -hmm. i feel like it doesn't work when you're saying let's do it peacefully but you're not changing so then what are we supposed to do like what are we supposed to do so you're gonna you're gonna build your business build your community build your family Say, well, do it peaceful. go over there and do it peacefully and, and we'll listen to you when we need to. The only way to get your attention, and my kids would do this exact, this is normal. When we're in pain, the voice of pain says, do whatever you need to do to make it stop. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, we need to be heard and we don't know how to get your attention. And as a middle American white woman, I don't think we would listen. I really don't, unless there was some kind of forceful moment that wakes us up that says we are not okay and we are not going to be okay until this changes and we are in pain just between us i'm like i love I you know. guys but that's I not know. what's happening here and i but i don't know how i i guess i just would say it's like somebody who's over here i'm trying to i'm i'm catching up and i right. think that it's very important to like you said that starting with empathy. This is someone's Ooh. child. This is your Ooh. child. This is your husband. This is your, these are our kids. This is our husbands. These are, and if we don't have that filter of this is someone's child, then we basically marginalize and compartmentalize Absolutely. it as it's them. Absolutely. And I can't, the moment you realize there's someone's child and it's someone's husband, and right? you I'm sorry. I know I'm not very clear because I feel there's a lot of emotion behind it. There is. And rightfully so. Yeah.
2: Yeah. What you're describing, Havilah, is called humanization. Because what's happened is that Black people for 400 years, starting from the the slavery to the Jim Crow era and everything else, have been dehumanized, right? That's right. It was written into law that slaves were three-fifths of a person.
1: Mm -hmm. It's been
2: written into law that... Black men especially were, were, were characterized as apes and monkeys because that's what you have to do in order to justify cruelty. You have to dehumanize that's that right. person, right? Whether it's the Nazi era with the Jews right. or the Rwanda genocide with Hutus calling, it, they call them cockroaches, right? Because yeah, they they're a cockroach, I can't, I would never kill a human. So that's right. Black, black people, whether it's through social media, I mean, through the media or any, we've been dehumanized for years. Yeah. Um, so it's it's built in very, it's very implicit, right? It's not it's not overt racism that's dangerous. It's the no. implicit biases and bias is bias. We all have biases. I have bias. I have some right. privilege, right? I, growing up in Nigeria, I, was, I grew up with a lot of resources. Yeah, my, my family's not poor by any stretch of the imagination. So yeah. the poverty mindset is something that I don't necessarily have as a filter because I didn't grow up that way. But what empathy does, it allows you extend beyond yourself and it is messy and it is uncomfortable, and you have to do a lot of, like you said, sober reflection. Yeah. I heard uh, Bishop T.D. Jake say this the other day. And I thought it was so impactful. He said, when reasonable people reasonable people stay quiet, unreasonable people unreasonable people take over. And that is true. It That's is. what we're seeing right now. And I really appreciate your honesty, have to just say, you know what? I don't think I really would have listened or understood the scope and the depth and the the, the 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 ire with which the community the back community right now is is dealing out of this is a trauma response what it requires is empathy and trauma informed care that's just a fancy that's way of saying be kind <laughs> be kind right and be yes. patient and be patient and it's not going to look like what you would like it to look like but you don't determine the narrative when it's not your lived experience that's right that's you cannot, right you cannot dictate how someone exp- exposes and expresses their pain especially if you haven't shared in their suffering, That's if you right. sat with them and had a conversation with someone who doesn't look like you and just said, That's you know right. tell me about your experience. If someone asked me that, how you know what I would tell them about the heartbreak it is for me to sit down with my 12 year old, who was five foot six and looks like he's probably 15 or 16. And knowing that I have to have a conversation with him about how to present himself to the world. In a system, especially a police system that has weaponized his skin color so he can never be disarmed, he's always a threat. I don't know when he goes from cute to threat, but at some point that happens for my child and I had to sit down and have that conversation. And it was heartbreaking because now his innocence has been eroded ever ever so slightly in his trust in the world. and. Though his viewpoint and his lens and his worldview, and of course we're Christians, and of course he knows who he is in Christ. But as a parent, we have to prepare him for the real world. Yeah. And as much as I would like to say it, a generation was raised up in a time where black people were treated as chattel, as slaves. So that mentality generationally, it's toxic thinking that you're passing down from generation to generation. And Romans 12, one to two says, we can transform our minds, but only if you're willing. Yeah. Only if you're willing to learn, have a lot, only if you're willing to listen. Just, I mean, listening is the first spot. Just have a conver- a private conversation before you post publicly about any of this.
1: Yeah, good
2: point. That's what I would challenge your community to do.
1: That's really good. If you I want love to,
2: that. If you want to really understand this, have a conversation with somebody who does not look like you. Who did not grow up in the area of town that you grew up in? That hopefully you have some type of relationship with, that yep. that can handle the weight of truth. You know what I mean. Love builds yep. that bridge that can handle the weight. Have that conversation privately before you ever post. If you post yeah. before you ever post anything that says, you know, if you comply, the police officers will leave you alone. That is not true yeah. for an entire community. As much as I would love it's to think not. it is, it's just not. Yep. You know, before you post all lives matter, just think think about the way Jesus lived. When he left 99 for one, was he saying 99 lives did not matter? No. He was saying, this one's in trouble. This is the one that needs me right now. The marginalized, the ones that are castigated, the ones that are set apart from the rest of society, right? Yeah. The the woman at the well in Samaria, Bible says he had to go through. She just didn't have to do anything. He chose to go through that city, to talk with this woman, to invite her into a conversation, a private conversation he sent the disciples away so he could have a private conversation with this woman who did not look like him. He yeah. was marginalized and castigated and socially inept. And that's what I'm asking people to do. If yeah. I can say anything, it's just have a private conversation before you ever post. I love that. Them. You know, it changes I do. things because it humanizes it. It's no longer they it's now us. If you have a child and you imagine having to talk to your son about this, it is hard. It's hard. I wept, oh my gosh. You know, I remember a time I was playing, we're playing the backyard frisbees and our frisbee went over to our neighbor's yard. Our neighbors are phenomenal. We know them all. But my son, without even thinking, just jumped over the fence to go grab it Mm -hmm. in my neighbor's yard. And my husband was livid.
1: He was. He was
2: so scared that the optics of a black child jumping a fence in Texas with someone who did not wow. recognize him might lead to my son losing his life.
1: life and death
2: oh my gosh i just thought is this what we've come down to you know this is sarah jakes roberts said it so beautifully she said we're fighting for an america we have not seen yet
1: yeah huh. that's right
2: it it just it's humbling it's it's troubling it's it's all of the emotions that i think anyone would feel in my situation just imagine if you can for a moment, what that felt like to think my son's life is danger being a kid. He's just being mm-hmm. a kid. You know, you have mm-hmm. boys, you know how boys deal with I things. do. They just, they don't even think. The frontal lobe is not well developed yet. They don't. <laughs> they just do
1: what they do.
2: And for my son on that day, it was a matter of life and death. Not just going to get his Frisbee. And I just thought, God have mercy on us. Have mercy on us.
1: Even one of my friends, she said she had a teacher's son that he wasn't allowed to be angry in public. Right,
2: right, right. Because he had to be peaceful and happy.
1: He wasn't allowed to show any emotion of anger. Right,
2: Right. and we've had to do that for a long time, right? Black people, we've had to sort of edit ourselves, compose ourselves in such a way that we're palatable to a white community because of the caricatures and the stereotypes. And, um, you know, I do have to say one thing that's helped me a lot with this is using nonlinear theology. Like instead of looking back on my past to try to unravel it, I think of a preferred future. That's what I'd love for the church to do at this time.
1: It's good. Mercy.
2: This nonlinear thinking is really important because it doesn't look back to try to untangle the past as a way of moving forward you can start there, but that's not where you end. You can by looking at a preferred future because Jesus even did that, right? What did he say in 1 Corinthians 2.9? No eye has seen. He's setting up this picture of this preferred future we're going to have in heaven and saying, let that be your goal. Wow. Let that be the impetus for change. So in as much as... We do have to look at our past to move forward. We can't deny it. Four hundred years— or so. we're only three generations away from owning other humans. Avalon. I know. I know. Like it, it's it, not it, that like long it's ago. Like
1: cent- it, it, it's not long ago.
2: It's really not. It's really not. No. So I guess the question I want people to ask themselves as they, as they, as they start to, as, as they start to embrace this and understand and deal with the guilt and the shame, and no one should feel guilty for how they were born. Nobody should feel that way, you know, right? That, that guilt is not an action step, shame is not helpful. What is helpful is asking yourself, What should this look like, and working from that? So it's a future focused that's excellent state, right? It's not only looking at the past, the past is important because you need to understand that. When I understood Jim Crow era, when I understood Brown versus the Board of Education, when I understood what happened to Emma Till, oh my gosh. It gave me so much empathy, but then also gave me this desire, this desire for, okay, we can make this better. We've been given a gift of this time and space in history to write a better chapter. Like my son should not have to have that conversation that I had with him, with his son. Yeah. That's yeah. the goal. So it's future focused. Okay. I see where God is taking us. Revelations 21, four, there's going to be a timeline. There'll be no tears and no death. And no, that's the future that we're looking towards. I love that. That's what I'm working towards. So give. That's the only way I can have hope. Have a lot. If or yeah, I, yeah. I sit here and eat Ben and Jerry's, and we're all depressed. Like, yeah. Yeah. What are, what, what's my other option? If I keep <laughs> reading the news, if I keep, if I keep buying into these narratives, right? We keep. I think what how the church has been complicit is that we've played the game the world has been playing. Right. Yeah. We've brought politics into the church. We have. That if you don't. Vote for this president, or vote for this party, or think this way, then you're not a Christian. That's right. That is not true. No, the Bible says anyone who believes in Him is saved. It doesn't say anyone who believes in Him and votes for this president. <laughs> anyone so who believes awful. in Him and feels this way about <laughs> this topic. Like what? What? When did that happen? Yeah. And this is something I've watched in my years in America, increasingly so. Of politics been you have the church. yes which is why I think a lot of white pastors don't wanna speak about this because they think that when they say something, they're making a political statement.
1: Interesting. In reality,
2: it's not a political statement to say Black Lives Matter. That's a human rights issue. Right, right. That's a human rights issue. Right. A sidewalk should not become a courtroom for a man of color in any community in America. Right. I cannot breathe is not a political statement. It is a human rights. It's issue. a human
1: rights state. That's right.
2: That's right. Right. That's I, I, right. I don't understand what is controversial. To be honest,
1: I don't understand. I, I don't either. I, I'm trying to grapple to understand the. I I know. You know the, And what, why all of a sudden is that? Is that really the point? The point is that we saw something that was horrific. Horrific. Just on a not on a full generational every, but that we were allowed to sit and watch that as oh if my that gosh. was. And no one could step in. No one said this is not like no. people are screaming, please stop. But there was a cold. There was a coldness. There was something you could feel the disconnect. Yes. The you dis- could sense disconnect. It. Yeah, yeah, you could sense. Yeah. It. I mean, I feel like it's like yeah, okay, they were. You could okay, no. they were doing their job, and then just on a yeah. human rights level, what we just watched—if they had done it to anybody or anything—that they it was Everybody. really it was
2: so. For the black community, our question is: Is this what it takes to pierce our collective consciousness? Yet another brown body without life. Whether it's a neck, a knee on a neck, right. or a new cell right. on the neck—it's the same thing. It's the same thing, and it's traumatizing.
1: That's what people need to understand. This yeah, to and I think that's—I think that's what I don't think we understand. I'm just being honest. I think when you guys said, "All right," I've heard you this, this, there. I'm like, when you say. It it brought up trauma in us. Yeah. that was not the filter that we were that we were seeing it initially. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense, Mercy? Yes, like when you say when they look like me and they're hurting me and they're hurting my child, we are, we w- I wasn't having that initial until people until empathy until I began to put myself in the shoes and realize this is what it would look like if if that man on the floor looked like my brown eyed. You know, skinny little son Judah on the floor. Yeah. If I saw that as my son, I yeah. would have a different internal reaction. Absolutely. Does that but make you, sense? Would it you not want to burn everything down for your oh. child? Let it burn, right? Because that's your baby. I, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care who it affected. I would be saying, "This is you. This is wrong." You know what I felt? I
2: have not watched the video, and I don't think I will because I just yeah, it's just too much. Yeah, um, I do remember reading that he called for his mama. He did. I thought, oh my
1: gosh. At the end of it. And she had passed away. She,
2: and how, is, how does that not summon every mother on the earth to say, enough? Enough. This is enough. We are well-equipped by God as the church to step in and say, you know what? We can't look for a law to do what only God can do. Let's just start here. Let's have conversation. Let's be really united in our churches. A lot, if yeah. I'm honest, I'm honest, have a lot of white churches in America, yeah. predominantly white, want to look diverse, but not be diverse. Not be diverse. I would agree. I would agree with that. And what that's done is, is that it's, it's, it's put in a little bit of division. Some of that coldness that we felt, some of that separateness, otherness, it comes from that. It happens it in the marketplace and it happens in the church. You know, it, it really my name, does my name sounds a certain way, I may not get that job, I may not get that promotion. You know, there's a whole generation of African American mothers know. and fathers who named their children white sounding names quote unquote. So I mean, that is just unconscionable. It you is know, we have to keep editing who we are, reducing who we are to the lowest common. We're asking for the lowest common denominator, just matter. Just, just matter. matter. <laughs> like even, not even we're not asking for me, just Care and not special rights, just equal. equal, like human, civil.
1: Can we be civil? I know, but I don't yeah. think people see it. I really, I really, if they, I think it's scary. I think they do see it, and it's scary to think about that they see it and and that they believe that they are following Christ, yeah, but dehumanizing people it you get, you start actually getting really concerned. Like this is our, this is our Christianity and that people aren't concerned. Right. Or they're defensive. They're defensive. Why are you defensive? It doesn't have anything to do with you in your rights being taken away. It has nothing to do with your freedom. This is somebody else who doesn't have what you had right? and you need to, and you're willing to go overseas and help people and you're willing to send money to other people, but the people in your community, you're saying, can we stop talking about it? It's been a week. You are uncomfortable, uh, you know, and I'm like, why, why are we all trying to move on? I'm just, we all tried to move on before and and this was going to come back around. Right. People are going to say, this isn't working until things change. And I know everyone wants to edit everything. Well, it's right. not this and it's not this. And right. we're all caught up on semantics. And what it is, is it's distracting from the uncomfortable part that it's still there. Yes. So if hearing Black Lives Matter makes you uncomfortable,
2: ask God why. Right. If seeing images of something makes you uncomfortable, just right. And I, I would also tell your community, be very careful and pay attention to what is easily confirmed in your heart. Okay. That if you see one statistic, it confirms something in your heart. Yeah. Right? Validate. And when you see, and not only, it wasn't only the protesters looting and rioting, there were other people that instigated that, that were not yeah. people of color. When you right. see that, does it confirm something you feel like, you know what? You are who I thought you were. You're all, you know. When you start to feel that, that's that's when you investigate it. As David said, search me, oh God. That's right. Examine my heart. I have had to do that. Like I said, when I first came to America, I didn't understand it. I was very judgmental towards African-Americans. As an African who was very educated and very learned and had access to I had privilege. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, if a bus comes to pick you up for school, why on earth would you not get a high school diploma? Not understanding, no, no, no. There's a whole lot else that goes into that, right? You know, not understanding the the, the business of mass incarceration, which is the new Jim Crow, right? I know. Of an entire segment of our population that's incarcerated as African Americans that don't get to vote. They don't ever, right? Don't don't get to raise their families, Mm-mm. and then we blame those families. Well, why aren't their fathers? Well, we you put them, half of them in prison, right? Yeah, for things that other people things, that are out and right, running around for
1: free. Right.
2: Right. So I just have learned to have more empathy. Have a lot. If I can say one thing about my journey um, in America and understanding what's happening in our country today is that the Lord has increased my capacity to be empathetic. And he's done that through lived experience, obviously, through raising my children, but also through me educating myself, right? Just the same way as I study the Bible. When I, yeah. I want yeah, to know yeah. about, it's, a, it's an exercise of diligence and you got to do the work, you know? Yeah. And um, gosh, this is so important because I feel like we need to get this right as the church. We are we at do. a flashpoint. Make no mistake we about do. it. We do. The excuses that would have worked before cannot work now because we've all seen the video we've all seen those still images when colin kaepernick was kneeling if that offends you more than this cop kneeling on this man's throat for over eight minutes yeah you have got to check your heart i'm sorry
1: right Right. i agree there is no excuse there's no excuse there's really not and we know and and our our quickness to write it off is what is so concerning. It's what happened with the Holocaust. There was a yes. there was a quickness to them. It's them, you know. There was other European nations there. that were there that could have done something, and oh, we don't want to get in there. We don't want to get involved. And it's right. a, it's that part of us that we think, well, I'm not the solution. You are you, the fact. You have to speak up. And I, I don't know. I just I think there's a lot of shame. Yeah. I think there's a lot of yeah. shame. I think yeah. there's a lot of ignorance. I think we're embarrassed. I mean, I'm sure. I feel that way. Honestly, sure. Mercy. I get embarrassed because I don't know what to do. And I know mm. and I want to help. And then when I want when I go to help, I feel ignorant and I feel I feel privileged yeah. and it hurts me. And and yet I think it makes me uncomfortable because yeah. You know, I'm just being honest, like I want our community to not us and them, but me and we like, it's really important that we humanize our own experience. And I feel like that's something that, and this isn't judgment, but I just seen a lot of people post and it's them and uh, them and we, and there's not a lot of me. And I just don't know if we're going to get there. If we don't get into me, I need to take personal responsibility for the things that I have ignored because it, it was in my favor. I mm-hmm. need to take mm-hmm. first responsibility mm-hmm. because I'm saying, well, not, not all, all of them are are, are bad. So right. there was one bad, bad apple. So that's what it was versus, no, no, there's a system that is hurting my brothers and sisters. That's right. And there's just, does that make sense? There's just yeah. this kind of part of us that's like, well, I can't carry the burden of that. Yes, you can. You are strong. You yeah. can carry the burden of your brothers and sisters. You're. Yeah. This is not too much for you. And there's this kind of weakness in us that's like, well, I, can't, I couldn't, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I'm too so tired. I'm already building with my own stuff. No, you're not. You're not dealing with telling your son that he's not allowed to jump over a fence because it might be life and death. You are dealing with that. So suck mm-hmm. it up and get honest that this is a different season and experience for you than what your friend, your brother and sisters are experiencing. There's just like mm-hmm. a lack of dick, And I think it's I just, I've been shocked at maybe my own community and their responses. I'm like, wow, yes. like I love you guys. I want to chalk it up as ignorant because if it's not ignorant, then I'm terrified that it's legit. It's there's actually like, you know what you're doing. And that even Complistic. scares you're me complicit. more. Right. And that scares me more. And then also, like you said, I can turn the TV off. It doesn't affect my world at this moment. Yeah, but it does affect my world. It, there needs to be an awareness that these are our friends. Like I was thinking about, you know, both of my boys, my eldest boys, their best friends are black boys. Like they're, they're beautiful, but those are their best friends. So they come over to our house all the time and that's yeah. their best friends. Yeah, And I guess I just was sitting there like they're sitting in my living room and I'm just thinking about their parents and I'm thinking about, and this is like so crazy. I'm like, I wonder if their parents feel like they're safe at my home. Mm. I wonder if they feel like when they go out and ride their bikes, if they're worried about my neighbors, if they're worried about that I wouldn't be aware of what they need. I wouldn't know how to help them in this moment. Does that make sense? Like I'm having this empathy of like, they're trusting me with their precious, precious babies. And I don't know how to help. I don't know how to steward that. In a way, because I haven't been aware.
2: Does that make sense? It does, and I think that's where the Holy Spirit comes in, because He just comes and He comforts us in our shame and in our lack of awareness. Because that does, I, I can, I I really can understand that, because again, that was my experience. Once I realized, I was ashamed, and I was like, "I'm a black woman. How did I not know this?" (laughs) this is unconscionable like people look at me and assume i know all this stuff and i'm like i'm not legit actually i'm (laughs) i'm I'm not i'm as
1: shocked as you are (laughs) i
2: you know and and so for me it's been a very humbling experience and i had to repent i had to repent and say god i'm sorry for my legalistic attitude and my judgmental attitude yeah you know towards my brothers and sisters especially now that i have these children who truly Yeah, African and American and and, and are seen as such. They are. Um, And I just think that's so important, Pavla. you said something really interesting of you've now started to think about how those parents felt. That's it. Mm. That is the key. That is the glue. That's That's the good stuff that's gonna unite us. That is it right there of, for a moment, getting outside of our comforts and outside of ourselves. And just saying, what does that person feel like? God, what do you think that person's experience yeah. has been? Yeah, yeah. That's you know? really good. Oh my goodness, that honestly, if we all could do that, that is what would change this narrative. The media would not be able to pit us one against the other. Um, it's politics so would not be able to pit us one against the other because there's a there's a shared humanity that overrides all of that. We can pray for Prayers as big as kingdom come or small as daily bread, but until we understand what our sisters and brothers are going through, I don't think God really sees us as in the fullness of what we need to be as a church, right? We're missing, just like one gender cannot fully encompass all that God That's has, right, that's right. And one culture cannot fully, en- so if you, for, for, for leaders who wanna put people on the platform and the front lines to look diverse, but not invite them into those sacred spaces of decision-making, all I can tell you is that you're missing out, right? There's a fullness, there's a richness, there's a fullness, a texture. It's, it's like broth that's been simmering for a day yes. versus an hour, right? That's there's, right. There's layers there. There's what God is doing for his entire body. That's right. We're one body, many parts. It's that's really right. hard for the many parts to come together as one body. And that's the tension we're in right now, right? We're navigating that tension and that friction of different experiences and different backgrounds and everyone trying to find this common ground. Until we're able to think of what that person is feeling, we won't have that empathy. And
1: what, Mercy, what is it like in your home with your community? Like people are tired, they're, they're hurting. Mm-hmm. What, what is it like? Like, can you give us more awareness of maybe what's helpful, what's not helpful? I know, I, I just know it's a different experience completely. Yeah. So like, what is it? What's it like right now?
2: I would just honestly say that it's like a lament, right? It's grief and it's mourning, okay. right? So we're, black community is in mourning. And um,
1: whenever you What mourning, does that mean? Like, why are you, So this is going to sound so ignorant, but I no. want to make sure we have the right words and we understand Absolutely. what is the mourning? What is the mourning?
2: So the lament is that we've been honest and open with our white brothers and sisters. And okay. like you, we've been shocked at some of the response. And so you're mourning this loss of, we're mourning obviously the loss of human life. There's that. But I think deeper than that is I've shared with you everything that I am and you've rejected that. I don't want the messy bits. I only want to hang out with you when it's fun and exciting and we're, we're raising hands in worship and we're together that way. I really don't want to sit with you in your pain, right? It's, it's, it's the priest and the yeah. Levite seeing the, that man on the side of the road and being like, you know, I try to help and I get your blood on me and your sweat and it's just, it's uncomfortable and I don't want to be uncomfortable. Totally. So I think for the black community, part of the grief is if this, watching this man be killed on a sidewalk, watching Ahmaud Arbery be hunted down like an animal, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: watching Breonna Taylor sleeping in her apartment and being riddled with bullets, if this does not change the tide, the grief is, what is it gonna take? If this doesn't bring empathy,
1: what is it gonna take? Does it feel hopeless? I'll be not honest. Not that you partner with no hope, but does not yeah. feel Yeah,
2: at, like, at first it really kind of did a little bit because it felt like our collective consciousness has been pierced, but yet we're still getting comments like, this is the mainstream media because it's mm-hmm. an election year. <laughs> Are you kidding me? We've just exposed this wound festering for 400 years. This wound. We're telling you that the system is not really necessarily broken. It was built in such a way that would not give us the advantage in life. You know, and the fact that we don't live in a rage 24/7 is by the grace of God, given everything that the black communities had to go through. You know what That's I
1: mean? Right. So I do.
2: Given all of that, when we've been open and and by the way, have, have sacrificed, I can speak for myself as, as, a, as a black woman in a predominantly white church, I sacrificed quite a bit to just fit in you and know. to be a part of the body. Because I know that, again, my future focus, non-linear theology is telling me, there's a preferred future that I wanna see for my children. In order for me to see that, I have to show up. If I want diversity, I have to show up mm. and be there, right? So I've done all of that. And now the invitation of, I'm hurting, will you just come and sit and suffer with me? When that is rejected? Yeah. Girl, it is wound upon wound. It is injury upon injury. And and my, resp- and, my, and, my and I think the, the grief I'm talking about is not the world's response. I'm talking about the church's response. Okay. That's what that's that's the lament is God, what is it gonna take for yeah. churches to understand part of the body is hurting? we need everybody to rush to the wound. Not because we want to fester and sit in it, but because we want to move forward. We want to heal and authentic, yes, and real. You know, I, part of part of, but I will say, seeing the marches. My husband, my son, and I went to a protest. I um, in our neighborhood actually that was sure. put on by high school students. High school students, lot, They, oh my gosh. It just brings tears to my eyes when I think of that moment of just this sweet girl, Lauren. She's a sophomore at our local high school and she put on this rally in our predominantly white neighborhood in North Dallas, in the suburbs. (laughs) And adults tried to fear monger her. They tried to threaten her. They tried all kinds of, they said Antifa's gonna show up and cops are gonna get, they, they tried everything they could to dissuade this young woman. And she said, nope. I'm going to stand to my full stature. I'm going to be tenacious, and over 300 people showed up of all Uh. colors, all races, all ages. I can't be hopeless in that kind of environment because I see God moving. I see His heart represented. You know, I, 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 I marched out there with my son, and I just wanted us to be a part of something more than posting and Blackout Tuesday and. Yep. All that right. And calling my congressman and of course voting. This is the first election I get to vote because I became a US citizen two years Love ago. It. <laughs> and I just thought to myself, how can I have how can I be hopeless? Number one, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Like we're going That's to heaven, right. right? So cheer, <laughs> everything else is cheering on the cake. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, hey, the lamb is still on the throne. <laughs> what do i know We're in okay. these moments you have to go back to what do i know for sure jesus loves me this i, what know. Do I know the for bible sure? tells me so okay you know so so besides that it, it really is an issue of for me honestly have I've, sur- I've been asking about to search my heart of how i can be a bridge builder because i think not having grown up in this country and having the perspective that i do hopefully disarms people a little bit for yeah. me to say hey i know what you probably thought at a time like this is race baiting and this is virtue signaling and all it's not that this system has it's demonic it's diabolical it is ever since the enemy's three words in the garden that was the final death blow did god really say once that entered the conversation this is the fruit yeah That was his seed. This is the fruit of it. This was God's original intent. And this is not his preferred future for us. So given that, I can search for justice on this side of eternity. Because that's his heart. I love that. It doesn't have to be either or. It doesn't have to be black lives or blue lives. It's both. I don't have to be social justice or evangel. I can be both. (laughs) I'm not going to buy into the false dichotomy that the enemy and whoever else is trying to feed us. You don't have to pick sides. No. You can be for all of it in your fullest sense. So I think if anything, have a, I'm more encouraged and more emboldened to speak the truth, to be honest, because I feel like I've built a bridge of love enough that can handle the weight of truth now. Now I'm like, all right, guys, this is what's up.
1: <laughs> and I can like, hear that from you. Yes. I, can hear, I can hear both. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I can hear when you're talking, I'm like, you, you're... I can hear the sadness and I can hear the hope and they can simultaneously happen at the same time. It's an it's a tension can,
2: that we navigate attention. because I think sometimes guilt and the shame can be like a paralytic. It just makes you not do anything. And um, that's the one thing that you don't want to do is not do okay. anything. So um, I would say a good place to start for a lot of people, like I said, is just having those private conversations. And and, and if you um, want to resource yourself, there's tons of resources out there. But honestly, as Christians, yeah, if you see images of, protests or things people say and you or what or you just see images of what the black community is going through and you feel anything other than mercy and empathy in your heart that's That's where you start
1: that's right right?
2: so if somebody's acting out because they're traumatized and in pain like our children we don't castigate them we ask them what what's hurt you what's going on what's going on right those Mm -hmm. that's called trauma-informed care so that's what we are needing as a community Certainly what we need in the church is those conversations of who hurt you or what happened, not don't do that. Don't do it this way. Don't do it that way. That's not helpful. Again, because we're traumatized. So in my community, I'm seeing a lot of pain. I'm seeing a lot of pain. um, But I'm also seeing a lot of conversations happening. I've had a conversation. And what do you think about weeks. that?
1: Do you do, is that, is that encouraging that people are talking about it and that it's around, obviously it's probably emotionally draining, but is it, is it good debt? Meaning it's emotional because you're constantly trying to educate people that don't get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I would feel like. Is like, I'm talking to people that haven't had a C-section over and over. Like, you don't, know, I love you, but like I'm recovering again. That's very trite for what I'm saying. No, but, it. But I, it's, it's, I was trying to explain. So yeah. it was like really eye-opening one of the things somebody had said, which I was like, oh my gosh, I have been guilty of this and I didn't understand this. It is not the black, African, you know, people of color community to educate us on how to be kind. Right. Right. That is not our, just like we don't say, what's it like living in America? You don't say to us, what's it like teaching your kids not to hurt us? You guys don't do that to us, and we don't do it to you. Right. So does that make sense? There's this lack of like. It, it does make sense. It's like
2: if, if 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 someone close to you lost their spouse or a child, you would never go to them while they're grieving and say, "Hey, can you tell me how I can be here for you better?" Yes. No, you'd just be there. You'd bring a casserole, bring some carbs, and just sit with them and be. A- even if you say something like, "I don't even know what to say," I'm just sorry this is happening. I don't. That's all part of trauma informed care. Yeah. Okay, I'm here for you. Right. Um, But beyond that, for people who are willing. And I think part of the thing of this also is to go slow and not get overwhelmed because that can happen, too. Yeah, Tell me more about
1: that. What does that mean?
2: So once I started reading about the history of this country, I got super overwhelmed with, number one, I cannot believe this has happened on our watch. Yeah. And then also, what can I do? Like, I'm one person. I cannot change an entire system that's been in place for <laughs> decades. Like, you know, that sense of this overwhelming, just injustice, the overwhelming sense of injustice. It just, if you heart if your heart is for the Lord, there's no way this doesn't break your heart. That's there's right. no way you don't weep with just, God, this is not right. Um, so there's that. So I would just say people, you know, a couple of books that are helpful because I really do like to be practical. At the end of the yeah, day, honestly, tell us. they're li- they're written from a biblical worldview. And um, one of them is the myth the myth of the quality. And the second one that I would really recommend people starting with is the color of compromise. It's by Jamar Tisby, and it is just a phenomenal roadmap for where the church has been complicit in this. Because I think most of our viewers, that's where they want to start. Aka, okay. yeah, we okay. do. We're we're, we're Christians. I don't have, we don't have to, we don't have to start from the very beginning here. We're, we're Christians. We're, we're side by side. We're brothers and sisters. And um, just the power differential um, in America between the communities is something that people just need to understand the context, the larger, broader context, the broader narrative of this, because it puts things in perspective. Okay. You can zoom out a little bit from the black and blue and da, 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 da and just as a human being. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. God, what is my stance and where do I start? So Resourcing yourself is important. There's a couple of documentaries that are really great. 13th on Netflix. It's deep.
1: Yeah. I've been uh, hearing about that. Is it? It's worth watching. It's worth
2: watching. It's worth That's watching. What I've, heard I've heard over and over, over. before watching it with kids because it's heavy. Okay. Um, there's a lot of kids, books for children, young children. I know. Lots of good it's stuff. It's phenomenal, you know. I've but honestly, that. I think the most impactful thing from I'm Honest Havla is just having a conversation with somebody one-on-one. And there you can get out all the awkward questions There you can be like, I don't even know if this is the right thing to say, do that. Right. Like, but
1: it's not that we I'm trying to be weird, but that's not offensive. It's like, like, cause we're trying to be like, I'm trying to be, so that's the, that's the weird part, right. About yeah. It's, it's awkward.
2: Yeah. Sure. And
1: sure. Uh, so you want like, so, you know, I I, may, like, I was walking through the airport the other day and every person that had, Darker, I wanted to just hug them. I wanted to be able to be like, I love you. I'm with you. What do you need? And I, I just felt myself be overly just aggressive towards them, like a love where they're like, could you back away? Oh, like, I love you so hard. I can't
2: stand it. Yeah.
1: I, I literally was like, I could feel myself wanting to yeah. run around, but then I'd ask myself, is that about me? That's about me. That's not even about them. That right. desire to just get to them is not. It's not, I, I need to be, I need to learn. Does that make sense? Like, I don't want to jump no. into trying to solve something. I, <laughs> sure. I don't know how to do
2: that. Is that? Sure. Yeah, what because we kind of want it to be neat and we need closure and we want to just tie it up with a nice neat bow because I'm like we that do. too. I want to fix it and let's, let's move on and then it's good. But that's not what this is. This is going to be. Okay. Lots of baby steps. Baby steps can be awkward and you can fall sometimes, but eventually you move from one stage to the next. And that's what it's going to be because it took us 400 years to get here. So now that we're here, okay, of course, God is going to accelerate the healing because everything is accelerated in these end times because it is yeah. what it is. Yeah, He's. I believe he's going to do that prophetically for the church that it's not going to take us 400 years to get to where we need to get to. No, this could change in a generation have. This could change I by the next generation. I believe that. Well, we have got to catch on to the momentum that God has already set us up for a win here. He's already exposed, right? Because imagine all the things that haven't been caught on video. I know. This video was very important because it forced everyone it's to very see important. evidence that demanded a verdict. It mm-hmm. was, you cannot look away. The mm-hmm. COVID-19 situation forced us all to be home. All the distractions mm-hmm. taken away. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have anything to distract us or numb us or mm-hmm. busyness to distract. You know, mm-hmm. We didn't have that. Yep. So I think the Lord has set us up in such a way that we have to look at this, even though I it's love ugly, that. even though it's broken. It's like Ezekiel in the Valley of Bones, right? He's like, hey, look at these bones. It, it looks really rough right now. Yeah, But eventually there's going to come a point where there's going to be muscle and sinew, and then my breath will be put inside them. And it's interesting that those were the words of that. George Floyd was, I can't breathe. Yeah. There's something about that breath, breath and life. And life, you know? And so-
1: it's something you're saying to- that's mm-hmm. really interesting, not to interrupt you, but no. that I've done some research on when people are in trauma and they and they can't see their future and they need someone to sit with them and paint the picture of what future could look like for them. And then their neural pathways begin to create that pathway yes. with it. But you can't look at somebody and say, have a future and hope and be excited if they don't have those neural pathways that are positive and futuristic and hopeful. And I think that's what the Holy Spirit does to us: is when we feel so stuck and we don't know where to go, the Holy Spirit's like, "Let me show you a future and a hope." I think what's happening, what you're kind of alluding to, is there's a lot of storylines that we don't know where to go from here because Mm -hmm. it feels so painful and overwhelming, and how do what do we do? But you're saying, let's think about a future that could be brighter and better than we've ever had and could get rid of all of, not get rid, not to dismiss that it's happened, but no. to remedy and heal. Yeah. Let's, let's imagine that. And yes. I don't know if we we'll have that narrative yet, but that's something that's really interesting. Cause I don't know if people know what, like just that whole concept. And I want to make sure I'll tell our community this. I'm going to write down all these books. I'll throw it on all of our highlights. I'll make sure everybody gets these books and lets them know where to get it and what to read. But what you're saying is, is, Imagine a future that's better. I don't think we're hitting it from that level at all. I mean, Other that's, that's the only
2: that. thing that's given me hope. That's the, that non-linear is what I call non-linear theology. I love that just, non-linear
1: theology because Jesus
2: did that. He's like, there's gonna, there's gonna be a time. I'm going, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He didn't say, I'm going to save you from all your past. Of course, he does yes. that, but we did not yes. focus on that, and that's not where we're ending. We're now moving forward to there's going to be a place where there's no more tears and no more sorrow. Oh, my gosh. Now that I know that, I'm working from a space that's a, so much more productive because I'm not untangling my past constantly trying to figure I, out what I, happened, what went wrong, but rather I'm thinking, what is my preferred future going to look like
1: my in Christ? Future.
2: You know, what is our preferred future going to look like for the church after this is all said and done? I, I pray that this is not just something that happens and it's a blip on our radar spiritually, I really hope that there's true repentance and true. Me
1: too. You know, like, we have to be better. I do. After this, like we the have to be better after and this. Yes. We do because if we're, if we don't, I don't think we can really live out the gospel.
2: How can we? We're saying we're going to go out there when in
1: here. We're not okay. We're not Okay. <laughs> And we're going to send people okay. to fields. So we're going to send people. We're going to send money other places. But we have people in our own community that need us and need mm-hmm. our voice and need our love mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and
2: are heard. And again, I really want your community to understand. I didn't grow up in this country, so I'm not an expert on this. I'm just sharing from my lived experience and from my space as a psych mental health. I know, which I, love. Um, which I I never. You know what's so crazy? Have I never knew how God was going to intersect yeah. my faith with my profession until now? I'm like, oh my <laughs> gosh, this is like exactly <laughs> legit. Like the, those two things have intersected in the most beautiful of ways. And of course, um, I know this makes people uncomfortable. I want to acknowledge that. I acknowledge your discomfort. And what I want to say to you is, if you're uncomfortable, it's okay that's why the holy spirit yeah. is the comforter i'm not the comforter my job is to be who god's called me to be and speak truth to power with the best i can in the spaces that he's entrusted to me but the holy spirit can do so much in these spaces of if you're uncomfortable with hearing white privilege uncomfortable with hearing black life if you're uncomfortable with all that's okay that's a great place mm-hmm. to start if you weren't uncomfortable i'd be concerned actually like are you right young? are you alive right. like, Because it is uncomfortable, you know, it It is when you realize, oh my goodness, there's a whole thing that's been going on that I didn't know or ignore
1: System, I'm serving it. I serve the Mm -hmm. system. Mm -hmm. I I think so. I, I really do mercy. And I am so grateful that you would come on here and have a conversation about this. Cause I think, you know, you don't, we don't, you don't owe us that. And so I'm so grateful that you would help us learn also give our community that need this your voice to speak for on their behalf to give them that as well and you know we're going to learn we're going to learn together and yeah. i think at treat the table um i can't i'm not going to dismiss this my dad has been a part of leading the mlk marches and has been a part of racial reconciliation for 10 years in sacramento region it is his passion i've been around this narrative for many, many, many years. I understand what it that it's taken ten years. They sit at tables, but it, it's not over. It's not just right. one and done. Yeah. This is this is a listening ear to sit at a table and hear someone else's experience and not to write them off and not to judge it and to realize that it has served you and to be okay with not a conclusion other than I right. hear you. I love you and I'm with you. That is so huge, I don't
2: huge. I, I think
1: so. And Mercy, I just want you to know as we get going and we will have more conversations i hope that you'll do this again with me because i, I want our podcast to hear this i want want other people to hear this conversation um but i just anything you can give us or you know whatever you as we get going and you want to text me just tell me what you you know anything i can do to serve yeah. this yeah this part of our our story and our generation um i am very hopeful i think pain is the only way we change often if we don't have so enough true. motivation so and right true. now we don't have enough motivation to change without pain. So we have to experience pain to change. Yeah. And we are listening. I am listening. I just want you to know that I'm listening. And if you only get one person a day that says I'm listening, it's me. I'm listening and I want our community Thank to listen. so
2: much. In. Thank you. You know what, have, I'm so grateful that we had this conversation. It actually helped me understand you a little better too, to be honest. <laughs> because it's, it's, hard, it's hard sometimes to see where people are at um, from a distance. It is. Um, especially with something that's so divisive and so polarized um, for better or for worse and um, mm-hmm. just it's refreshing to just hear you say, I'm listening. I am honestly th- those are powerful words. That's what Jesus did when he when he was on the road to Emmaus with those two men he just listened to them and they opened the scriptures together and for seven miles he listened. You know, and um, I think that's just so powerful. It's just such a great example to us of what it looks like for us moving forward in hope and expectation of coming good is that we can listen better to one another. I do too. I do
1: um, too. And it's going
2: gonna, it's gonna to only help us reflect the kingdom of God better. Honestly, at the I end think of the so day, too. that's, I think, what the Lord is moving us toward. Um, this is not an issue of trying to change the entire world in one day. We're not going to do that what we are going to do is change the space that we've been given. And we're not going to tolerate any longer certain things. We're not going to tolerate racism. We're not going to tolerate systemic things. We're going to call them out now. We're going to hold people accountable. We are. Police reform, you know, the power differential plus lethal force is a bias that equals death. There are biases that don't equal death. However, with our police system, the way it is, um, biases are are, are leading to death. And so we have to stop that. It's just, it's one of those things of just, it's a human rights thing. We just need it to is. not do that anymore. That's right. Um, That's so right. I think, I think us holding our congressmen um, and people that we've elected, being a part of the electoral process is very important. Not just the presidential election, the local elections, district yep. attorneys. Yeah. I've noticed district attorneys have had a lot of pull and clout they have. of late. And so who are we electing to those positions? And and we need to be prayerful about those things, you know? Um, So I think even for me, it's opened my eyes to just being a part of change in different ways than I have in the past, you know? And all of it, Havala, is moving us closer to looking like what his bride should look like without spot or wrinkle, you know?
1: And so- Yeah, I feel so sober right now. I feel- like i said i i feel brokenhearted but not for myself just like it makes me just feel like you know like you're watching somebody go through something horrific and you're trying to absorb the little bit of what it might be like yeah and it feels it just feel. i just i feel sober and i hope our community has too i really do i hope we're not quick to move on i i know that there's it's controversial in some ways I don't understand the controversial part of somebody having the right to be safe. Right. I don't think that's controversial. I think some people, we get into the whole political, like you said, and the narrative of where the money's going and where the, and and all of that's a distraction to the narrative that needs to be right now, which is that our brothers and sisters, their black lives matter and need to be seen. And it doesn't, we need to stop being, all the other stuff is a distraction. It to is. getting rid of the a part of us that, that needs to identify that we haven't done that right and i think people love to say well it's this and it's that and what about this and i don't know if i believe that stop stop that is that is secondary to what our brothers and sisters are asking us to acknowledge mm-hmm. that's what i'm here that's what at least i'm hearing again i don't know but you are hearing absolutely i right. hearing absolutely right yeah it's, it's, and so let's sit there yeah, let's, we're sit one body. let's just sit there and stop moving yeah. on and stop trying to put it into a pretty moment. It's not pretty. That's the reason we're here, is because we tried to keep exactly. it pretty. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Can, I'm like you I said, we can do hard things. We can do this.
2: Philippines Suck it up. We can Suck do this. That's right. And
1: Americans, I love us as Americans. And we have a lot of different, we have Australians and English and you guys and Canadians and you guys are awesome. And I'm yeah. just talking to us as Americans. We need to stop acting like we don't have problems and that we're not biased and there aren't, you know, or that, that was, that was so long ago. It wasn't long ago. And these are our kids. These are our brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, parents, and that is enough to keep us awake. So I'm with you. I love you. I love you, Mercy. Thank and you I, so much, I'm Hannah. so honored for your time. Always. And I can't believe it. I, I just watch your stories of your little girl and I can't believe you have this baby. But I know. ultimately, I will um I'll be in touch. I want our community to talk about this. And as we get going, if you know, if and when you have the availability, I think another conversation is in order.
2: I would love to. I would love to. It's it's a, it's a, it's my joy to be <sighs> able to bring maybe a different perspective that someone hasn't thought about earlier, you know, and, and you're, just, yes, maybe just a different viewpoint, maybe just something you, know, you hadn't that. considered earlier, you know, and just, Hey, let's just have a conversation. I'm not coming to you as an expert. I'm coming to you as a sister and just saying, I know. Oh, gosh, we're hurting.
1: And thank you for we're your kindness. Hurting. Yeah. I can, you're I can hear sister. the kindness in your voice and I can, I can hear the, the compassion, the, the desire to help us. Yes. Not absolutely. just, not just educate, but to be with us. And I appreciate that. We don't deserve that. So I I love that. So Mercy, thank you so much. Give those kids a, a big hug and a kiss and we will connect later for sure. Thank you for listening.
0: We hope you feel encouraged and empowered. Wasn't that conversation amazing? Just a reminder, this was a conversation from our Truth Academy. If you love this talk, our Truth Academy offers incredible content like this. Once a month, Havlet interviews an expert in their field that goes along with the study of the month. Normally, enrollment for Truth Academy only opens once or twice a year, but we are opening right now for the women who are committed to putting the work in to see their lives transformed, see their spiritual life awakened, and be surrounded by like-minded women running after the same thing. Does that sound like you? If so, enroll at truthtotable.com academy.